Hello, thank you very much for joining me, the 831 Podcast. Um, This is not a podcast in the normal sense of the podcasts. This is the 831 Podcast hosts an evening with Stephen Tosh McIntosh. Um, Tosh is a really good friend of mine and he embarked on an amazing adventure recently uh, through Nepal on a paraglider. So he's the first person ever to a solo trip. This was a video uh, interview, if you like, that we filmed in like a mountain festival format for the Avon Hang Gliding Paragliding Club. So we do reference some video footage and we do play some video footage during the actual video portion. So you can watch the whole podcast, like all my podcasts over on the YouTube channel, the 831 Podcast YouTube channel. But this is the audio version. So I've cut the uh, video out for you. And you will notice there's little bits where it seems to jump. It's not that it jumps. I've just cut the video portion out for you. But it should still make a perfectly good podcast. And hopefully you'll really enjoy it. Uh, The store is fantastic. Tosh is an awesome guy. But if partway through you think, actually, this would be really cool to see that video footage, jump onto the YouTube channel uh, and have a look at the actual video or I will get some links put up. But in the meantime, this is the 831 Podcast Hosts, a talk with... Stephen Tosh McIntosh. A warm welcome and a massive thank you to Steve McIntosh, or from here on out, Tosh. Tosh, thanks for joining. Um, Wes, thanks ever so much for getting us on the 831 podcast. This is amazing. No, my pleasure, mate. Like I said, uh, the, the Avon Club have gone far and beyond to be able to host the amount of people who we've got watching so i'm thankful to them yeah that's incredible it really is an incredible turnout tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is and as rightly so as well because the the journey that you put together and you went on eventually you had i knew about it obviously sometime before a lot of people because we're good friends but it is something that does deserve the audience so thank you for wanting to sit and share it with us yeah and it's taken a while to sort of get a chance to, to talk to anyone about it with all the the processes of this year and last year it's actually um it's been great so it's great that actually now there's a chance for for people to hear the story in a bit more detail and actually there's no one better to interrogate me than than <laughs> someone i've spent many a thermal in it's actually <laughs> so yeah so you, you touch on that actually so when before we get in when was the traverse just to give people the gap the time that you've had now from doing it and how long you've had to sit on all this it must have been bubbling in you how long have you had to sit on this before getting to this point today yes yeah, so I, I came back mid-march really just before lockdown um the, the traverse story sort of finished um, as it, at the moment because we actually hit COVID and i came back and so we've been sitting on all this material yeah, one time to go out there for clubs to basically sort of share the story, share the sort of um, the, 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 the whole adventure. But it's, it's, for me, it wasn't worth doing it unless um, we actually had a sort of a proper medium to do it. And um, Zoom up until this point, I don't think was the right, the right medium to do it. But now we're in this um, environment, I think it's a good time to be doing it. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think it's the perfect time. Um, and especially for the people who are watching, there's not been a lot for people to get their teeth in with, mm. with uh, paragliding adventure. So it is perfect. So lots of people here will obviously know you and will have flown with you. But there's also a lot of people who aren't paraglider pilots or don't know you as well. So let's have a little brief overview of how long you've been flying, what actually got you into this crazy game. And then we can dive into what happened from there on. 
yeah, so how far do we go back? I, I suppose I started paragliding in 1992. Um, I came back from the Bahamas. I was living in the Bahamas and did a lot of diving. And I, I came back to this country and I wanted something to replace that, um, that sort of sport. And I had a bit of a gap before my job started. And the That looked a bit exciting um, sport to be getting into. And actually, there were there's a paragliding school, Sky Dragons, was um, set up um, close to my home. So I joined Noel Humphreys Sky Dragons. Started paragliding with him in 92. And I think it was my first job was in Lincolnshire. So it took me two years to get my CP. Um, fortunately, then I then moved to Dorset, Wiltshire, um, and into Ross, which is where I live now. Um, and each year I seem to be doing more hours, more obsessed by the whole thing, um, to the degree that I've made sure that my job works, that I can actually paraglide when the weather allows it. So really. 1992 got yeah. you into the sport. Yeah. Slow progression from yeah, 1992, yeah. I think we'll yeah. say. Compared to some of the new guys that are out there, I'm a, I'm a slow burn. <laughs> yeah, but you've gone from the slow progression, 1992 to... Boom, the most yeah. epic adventure that I've possibly heard of right now. So, no, there's, there's, there's others. so you, from 1992, you started getting into, I'd say you're a, an XC paraglider pilot within the UK. Um, you fly a lot of XC, but from knowing you and flying with you, you've always been kind of adventurous. And mm. you and I have done some random flights together and just picked places that aren't even sights and gone and flown so yeah, careful west <laughs> <laughs> I, am, um, I am the sites officer southeast <laughs> wales <laughs> didn't say that <laughs> but for for even someone like myself when you said when i heard that you were doing this or when you proposed it to me i was a bit shocked because i mean there's no getting away from it it's a big deal right this is a a massive adventure so what was what was your motivation? What was it? Have you always had your, your eye on this? Is it somewhere you'd visited before and thought this would be good? What was your motivation to, to do this traverse and why Nepal? Um, it start, the idea started, um, I think, the year before. I went out to Nepal, met my daughter Izzy out there. She'd just passed her CP in the summer and she was on a world um, year out travel. And we decided to meet in Pokhara do some flying together in Pokhara and I just started doing a little bit of vol biv in southeast Wales you know, one night um, out and I thought if I'm going to go out to Pokhara coaching my daughter I need something at the end of that to really give me some excitement so I put together my vol biv kit as it was then um, and actually um, at the end of being with Izzy I took um, four days out, changed my flight because the weather was just changed to a better, better weather conditions and went on a, a free night, four day Volbiv, um, which was epic. It was, I mean, that to me, I think the moment of anyone doing Volbiv, the moment you go over a, a mountain and you've got all you need to survive for a few days and you don't have to worry about getting back, it's a liberation. You, yeah. you are just, you don't, you, you're free. You are totally free. Where you end up is, anywhere you want to be at that point and it's an, sometimes it's an we're not where you yeah. want to be um and it was just the it's ex so exciting and so i had this um three nights two in the tent one in a, a tea house um heading from 
Pokhara out to um, Hemelchuli, which is um, not very far. It's only sort of 60 kilometers, 80 kilometers east of Pokhara. So it wasn't a big distance, but the adventure was massive. Um, and, came, and, and back in a day, and it was, to me, that was amazing. And I came back from that and I thought, you know, what, what's the next step here? Where do I go? Um, and being in Nepal 20 years ago, I always wanted to go to the far west of Nepal. Um, so it's that was a sort of a place I started thinking about. And then the idea of the, the, the whole traverse sort of manifested itself over the year. So it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't an instant thing. It was sort of a slow progression. And as the, the year went on, um, I started doing more and more research, started watching a few um, videos and it became just the obsession that I wanted to do it. And it really wasn't until I think I booked my, permit from Nepal um in November that then that was the point I thought so I'm you knew you knew you wanted to evolve Biv yeah but you didn't know what you were going to do so does that mean that even when you went to do the the adventure you did still didn't know your journey you didn't know where you were trying to get to or you were just had it in your head I want to go from here to here and I don't care how I get there or was there like a route that you had planned I I planned I planned it quite well really um uh, it was a bit of a pointless exercise. I think I might have said on the video. Um, I planned it quite well, and the idea of the whole traverse. I think I, I started looking at what other people had done um, out in the pool in terms of distances and stuff, and actually started talking to a few people. Um, Adam West was the guy who was a great reference. He's obviously started off the paragliding in the pool um, back in the nineties, and he was a great help, sort of giving me some insight. Um, and then I started looking at what other people had done in terms of sort of flights and it became apparent not many had done, well, no one's really done the full traverse as I did it, um, or as I tried to do it. Um, there's been like six or seven major, really great flights which have been recorded out there. And I think the first probably was um, the Himalayan Odyssey, where there were seven guys um, headed up by um, Brad Sanders. Um, and they, the seven pilots took off and they f aimed to get to Sikkim on the east side of Nepal um, and famously got arrested at that point. Um, <laughs> but I think, so I think two of them did it then. That sounds like an adventure. Yeah, Let's them guys. <laughs> um, and then um, after that, there was a, a, a tragic instance um, with um, a couple of guys. It was Mitch Riley and Primate Hullock who um, sadly, um, it, was, it was a tragic accident sort of 60 kilometers out from Pokhara um, with him. Um, so that was sort of an eye opener really i suppose um and yeah mitch mitch stopped at pokhara and then there have been some other great flights by pairs of pilots um boxy and um, another guy have done from city cart to pokhara and there's been a few other guys but no one had actually done what i was trying to do was go beyond pokhara and try and do the the whole traverse um and no one had done it solely so the traverse that you wanted to do and, and you had in mind how far are we talking? We obviously talking kilometers. So how, yeah. how far are we as a crow fly straight line? What would we be talking kilometers start to finish if it was to go that way? Uh, 800 kilometers about. Okay. Which in the UK isn't that far, I suppose. And you could do it in about five flights, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one end to the other at least. So it's quite far. Um, but yeah, so 800 kilometers as, as the crow flies, obviously you're not going to take that route. You're going to go all different kinds of routes. Um, but you felt your history, you had plenty of history, mountain flying experience in these regions to do it. Or was it just simply, I went to Nepal, enjoyed the flying. Yeah, that's enough for me. I can handle this. I'll go back again. 
Um, I had mountain experience and I think I reassured myself when I was out in the pool the year before that actually I could nail very tight landings on top of a mountain. <laughs> um, and my glider, which I've had for quite a while, um, I can usually get it out to quite a tight spot to sort of get in the air. So, although it didn't always happen this time. Um, <laughs> so I, I felt I had the armory and my skill to do it. Um, and I went with the idea that actually uh, I wasn't going to put myself in a position where if I couldn't do it, I didn't think I could do it. I wasn't going to do it. So I sort of had a, a survival instinct. Okay, so you come home. You've been out there. You've met your daughter. You've had a small viv. You come home. How quickly when you get back are you starting to plan the trip? And then subsequently, once you've planned the trip, how quickly are you then embarking on the trip? Yeah, I, well, I sort of, the conversation with the wife was the first one. And once <laughs> I had the sort of like the amber to, to green, then I felt I could actually stop. You know, that's research, your first visa. Research, that's the first that, visa. Get that first one visa obtained. <laughs> I can now actually have a conversation with other people about it. Um, so that was, I guess, May probably. And then the summer sort of went through. And it was really sort of September, October I started searching on maps and searching and I you know, went out to um, Covent Garden and trolled for the, the guidebooks on the far west of Nepal and as much research as I could do really um, but there wasn't actually a lot of material out there that was only value to what I ended up doing. Yeah so you've but you've come back you've started your research planning I'm going to go back out when? Um, I've had sort of kind of hoped to go out in the autumn but it's the spring um, to try and get the weather post-winter Pre, pre sort of so you're giving yourself almost a year yeah really, of it, planning. Was a year. it was it was nearly sort of a year on yeah and i guess we'll find out whether that was enough as yeah. it goes on <laughs> as the thought goes on we'll find out if a year's planning is enough yeah. or something like this so you this has never been done by anybody before not solo not no. solo and uh so you've got very li- limited do, do, information do only, i say only actually there was one one crazy french guy called blutch who he flew from uh Tajikistan to Sikkim. Yes. He's, got, he's actually got a film out, Great right? Great film. Yeah. Watch the film he's got to be watched. And that, and that was my, an inspiration to me. That was, yeah. um, the main difference was he took four months. I didn't have four months. He took a violin. I felt that was excessive. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know how to play the violin? Well, Nor did he. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the film. <laughs> he has one tune. <laughs> um, and um, so that, yeah, he was, he was probably the, the only person I've known to do it. Purely solo, yeah. Okay, so you come back, you know you're going to use your wing. How much of the other equipment necessary did you feel you, you had? Or was there a case now, right, I need to really get back. I've got the route roughly what, where I need it to be. Now I need to plan the next stage. The next stage I'm gathering would have been equipment planning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sensibly would be. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things. When you've done it as a test run with those four days where a test run, you come back, you're thinking, actually, I need to sort that out. And I need that didn't work. That did work. So it was a really good uh, test of what I had already acquired. And then I realized there were some things which I needed to um, up the game of. Um, I got really cold last time. So <laughs> it was a case of actually, I need to get a puffer down jacket. I need to get a proper sleeping bag. I need to ensure that actually I can survive a night at 4,000 meters when it drops to whatever it did drop to. Um, so, and, and I suppose I then started talking to, um, well, who became my sponsors really, sort of Fly Bubble and, and, and Trek It Mountain Sports. So sort of, you know, talking to them, I managed to develop a shopping list and, and obviously saved a bit of money by working with them to get my, my kit in order. So you've got your kit, 
I when I did the XPR, I had a, a kit bag which weighed about with everything, flight instruments all in together, about eight and a half, nine kilos all up. What are you talking weight wise? Food? It's, your, what's your kit bag empty before you take provisions, water and food? Yeah, water and food were quite a bit, especially at the beginning. I um, yep. got lighter as I went. Um, <laughs> just over 20. That's your, that's your naked yeah, kit, just yeah, over 20. Yeah, and then yeah. add food and stuff as well? Um, I got to 24 and a half, I think, when, my, when I first set off. 24 bags, and a half yeah, weighed, weighed in before actually starting, but yeah. But three, three litres of water is three kilos. It's, yeah, know. exactly. Yeah, and so what you take in... What, what's in your kit bag? So if we're going to talk through what's in your kit bag, we know sleeping bag, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Tent. Actually, we've got a, a slide we can throw up there, actually. If Sean can throw that up and we can just talk about the kit. Yeah, um, a little selection of your kit. Yeah. Um, because when I first saw this picture that, that Sean will hopefully put up now, um, I was shocked at how much equipment went into your bag. I didn't uh, include the table. Oh, that's... <laughs> no, actually, no, that looks much more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, the table didn't um, fit, so that's exactly uh, um, Yeah, so this is your kit bag, which, I mean, okay, the XP is not comparable to something like this, but even for a Volbiv, that looks excessive, but I've not done a Volbiv in Nepal, mm. and I guess you haven't, so provisions. What sort of thing have you got in that bag, just briefly? Yeah, clothing-wise, I didn't actually take an awful lot. Um, yeah, I basically had literally... I had the clothes I was wearing, a spare pair of socks and, you know, a couple of a spare t-shirt and that sort of stuff. And that was, yeah, I kept that to a minimum with a view that I could wash stuff. Um, um, the food um, for cooking, I had a, a jet boil, mm-hmm. um, spare gas. And there's a, there's a whole story about, <laughs> about gas. Um, these are the challenges you're faced when you're trying to do these sort of things. And I digress here. Um, so, um, I, I, the thing started in Kathmandu, and I, in, in Kathmandu, I bought my gas cylinders, which fit inside the jet boil, um, and jumped into you know, on the taxi, got to the airport, and as I put my bag for the X-ray, um, the the guy on the other side of the X-ray bay, it's not like it's it's just a guy sitting there with an X-ray machine between us. He goes, "You can't take gas." I said, "There's no there's no no gas, no gas, water bottle, get no gas." And he showed me the X-ray, and, it's, and the gas bottle came through the jet boil, and it said gas on it. <laughs> so, okay, you got me. <laughs> yeah, hands up. Hands, hands up, up on this one. Um, and, and the story continues on that. It's actually in the fact that I managed to, he, he said, you can't take it. I said, well, I, I need it, because I was flying to an airport, which I knew I wouldn't get any gas. So actually, yeah. this is instantly going to, you know, cold food and exception for the next three or four weeks is not going to be great um so I, I said i need to take it so i sort of showed him a thousand rupee note and he goes uh no um so you can ask the airline so um i went to the airline counter and they were checking in the flight before mine at the time so he was enough time to, to talk to me um so i sat down for a while and then um went back up um, and then basically they sort of said um no no you'll come back in a minute and i'll get my superintendent to come across and see if we if we can accept the gas on there um i'm getting quite conscious now time's ticking on so i basically went back to the guy at x-ray and said yeah they're fine with that um and he said and um he said are they short he said yeah fine i said do you want the, the thousand rupee and he said no no i'll, I'll come find you later um so he gave me <laughs> gas bottles and i went through so, so, so <laughs> i didn't I don't feel like I know this international gas smuggling, bribing <laughs> yeah. top. No, so I think some, some people take um, kerosene instead or just light fires. But, you know. Yeah. So some bear people in mind, have if you're in Kathmandu the... Airport, they can spot your gas. But anyway, so there's gas. There's a, there's a cooking stove in there um, for the food. And that was on my main, my main cooker, gas bottles. Um, so, so I've got 
uh, a tent, a sleeping bag, and a roll mat. Um, the sleeping bag was actually my most expensive bit of kit. Um, I wasn't going to mess around this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, a mountain equipment, um, firelight, um, down on it. Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not hearing most expensive a bit of kit without no, hearing a price. No. People will be Googling this and yeah. start watching. How much are we talking? 400 pounds. 400 yeah. quid sleeping bag. I had sponsorship. Yeah, and I bet, <laughs> I bet it was worth every penny yeah, anyway. totally, totally. And actually, yeah, I get cold at night. I suffer from the cold yeah. big time. So actually to be, um, you know, in a cozy sleeping bag at night, you need to get good sleep. So yeah, it was good. Um, and then tent-wise, um, your same tent, uh, waterproof, draft-proof just about, um, roll mat. Um, and then the electronics, you know, solar panel, battery chargers, that sort of thing. Um, it, this goes on, actually. Um, there were only a few things which I took which I didn't need. There's probably only a couple of things which I didn't take, which I should have taken. The question everybody wants to know, the answer to, I'm sure, is did you use all your underwear? Um, I only took one pair. <laughs> so that's yes. 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 yes, you used all your underwear yeah. then, definitely. Yeah. So, I only took one. so yeah, um, as I said, I, I took some soap, a multi-purpose soap to wash stuff with. Um, and uh, yeah. So what about the logistics of filming and stuff? You you oh. just thought I'll just take multiple SD cards and keep them safe? Yeah. So yeah, that's another story. Um, it was actually quite a task. I was where I, I met with Martin Cray to film it. We decided to make make this into a decent film. So instantly, I'm thinking, right, I need to up my game. So I took um, a, a GoPro Hero Eight, and I took a mirrorless digital SLR. Um, I wanted, I wanted to be sure I could actually capture the good images, um, which were, you know, on the ground, um, as well as having the, um, the, the sort of the GoPro um, type footage. So yeah, a lot of time spent backtracking, thinking about the, sh the shots I was going to take. Um, I captured an awful lot of footage, but that did take a lot of energy. And then you got all the charging to do with the batteries, etc. And yeah, it was, it, was quite, it was quite a conscious effort to make that sort of a catalogue of footage. And then you've got all your data cards, of course, which you, you need to collate. Um, there was a, yeah, so it's, it took some doing. Yeah, so I guess you didn't have any, uh, you didn't have any where to unload any of the data. So I guess you were conscious of don't fill mm. these cards or mm. I'm not going to be able to delete the footage that I have got. Then if you did have to, it's what do I delete? Like I'm going to need yeah. all of this. You know, how long did you plan the, the trip would take? I thought I'd nail it. I I thought I'd get to Parker in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it took longer. And I, and I thought maybe if I had a month, I could get to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you get to Pokhara, uh, no, so, sorry, when you get to Kathmandu, you know you've got to, where you've got to get to, you leave the airport, you're, right, where do you head? Where's the, where's the first, the start base? Where do, we're starting here. Yeah, west. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I took a, a flight and I'm in the, the pressure of the evening, I'll probably forget names now. So Dagadeni is an airport on the southwest corner of Nepal, borders India. It's actually a, a border entry point yeah. um, for international travelers as well. Um, uh, I arrived there. I, unfortunately, my flight was massively delayed. So the, the flight I was getting at 7 a.m. now took off at 12 a.m. Um, India and Nepal suffer a lot from inversion and fog. And so the, the visibility was bad to, to, um, back in Dagadeni. So eventually arrived about 12 o'clock. Um, I had anticipated being there a lot earlier and I wanted to get a bus north from there um, 
to a place called um and come to me in a minute um, up towards Darchula. Don't worry about names, mate. Yeah, okay. Nobody North. watching's done it. You're the only yeah, one who's yeah. done it. So say, make them up as fine. The good thing about doing this solo was I could just make it up, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just make it up. We'll believe yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I would have if it wasn't for the bribery story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, ba- so basically, I, I arrived at midday, um, got a taxi to a little bus stop. And the bus stop's not as you imagine. It was actually the first slide on that, on that those slides we show. It's just basically a, a, a dirty area on the side of a road where the bus is set off from. Um, I then had a seven-hour bus journey north, um, arrived, and it was in, um, in, in this sort of hill town, not massively massive hill town, at sort of eight o'clock at night, I think it was, when I arrived there. Um, and yeah, it's you know dark, um, no street lights. Uh, you know, where do you stay? <laughs> yeah. Managed to find um, a, a hotel that night, and then in the morning, the sun comes up. And you feel much better. Yeah. So you you started on time. You didn't delay a day because of the, the no. delay. You still started the next yeah, day. Yeah. So that so and then and then from there, um, north again, another eight hour bus journey. <laughs> um, and initially, I'm sort of getting quite worried because actually most of that time, the first day was just through forest. Um, and I'm thinking, this is not going to work. There's no hills to fly over here. You know, Google Map has lied to me on this one. <laughs> but I was heading up to a Darchula, which is on the Indian border and is another border post, but just um, And that was my sort of like big plan. Um, but on the way, I was heading up and... Um, and I was going to stop in a place called uh, Goglishaw, which is a small town before Darchula. And I thought I was going to have to get a jeep then from there to Darchula. But on the way, um, there's this mountain range. And um, you'd probably appreciate it. And all paragliders would appreciate seeing this beautiful, look like grass, grass-covered mountain with little cumulus popping off it, heading out in the direction you want to go. So as I was going on this bus, I was like... Oh my God, that looks perfect. But I'm on a bus. It's not stopping. What do I do? Do I stop it? Do I jump off? This is the only bus. If I jump off now, I'm staying there that night. And yeah. procrastination, the hesitation, I carried on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was so, so the whole journey back down or on down to Goggly Shore was actually, I should have, should have should have got off too late, no, too late. One missed thermal though yeah. would have would yeah. have put you right back, yeah. feet on the ground again, waiting for a bus. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, got to shore and the next day I thought I'm going back up there. So rather than carrying on to the very border of um, India, I came back sort of 30k in, um, back to this mountain range, and I thought this is where I'm gonna start. Yeah. Climb the mountain range. Yeah. Let's start here. So planning now once you get there, what's your plan for route as an instrument? What are you using? Mm. And what's your plan for say I guess weather, weather must be a, a big issue. What's your plan for like weather forecasting, et cetera? You know, how are you going to prepare for, I'm here, this is it, you know, like yeah. I'm going to climb the hill, I'm going to take off. We all know logistically that's not how I was going to go. So how are you prepared? Air maps, what are you using? Air and maps. weather forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> maps, so what are you going to use? haven't been for- done for Nepal, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to use for maps? <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, I mean, the, the weather, let's talk about the weather. Weather was the, Biggest challenge I had. Um, it changed massively when I was when I was on my journey. Um, I I came back to actually using um, Windy on, on my phone, okay. um, and actually on phones then, because there's been no terrestrial landline built into Nepal. Everywhere's got antennas, um, which are solar panels. So the, the, the phone signal in quite remote areas is really quite good. Um, so I was able to get you know quite often you know three G, four G 
in the middle of nowhere. It was quite incredible. So windy was a great one for me. Um, the basics are windy. Um, and then when I didn't have a signal, um, good old Ali Andrews um, from Kakal, he, he stepped in to um, help me message on the inReach, um, the sort of the heads up of what was coming in the next forecast. For me, it was about being sure that if actually the next day was flyable, I was ready to make the most of it. Uh, if it wasn't viable, if it was going to rain, then actually I was prepared to sort of stay low and maybe travel to somewhere where I could get high again for the following day. So it was just knowing what was happening. The actual, the weather at the time was what it was. And I flew in conditions which you wouldn't really fly in if you were just in a leisure activity. But because I was sort of on an obsession to get somewhere, <laughs> um, I sort of tried to seize every moment I could to get a flight in. Um, whatever that was, 10k, 60k, just to just to keep the movement going. Really. Yeah, I, I mean that's good for not just progress, but mentally that's yeah. that's really good as well. So first day is you've you're now I'm going to call this first day once you decide on on where I'm going to take off from. You know, yeah. you've, you've got the travelling out of the way. Day one, you're at this mountain range. You've come 30k back to get to. You, I guess, now climb the hill. This is where it starts. You've not camped or anything at this point. You've had. Fair, I don't know what the conditions are like to sleep, but <laughs> fairly okay conditions to sleep, I'm assuming. Um, and now you're, now you're at the point where I'm walking up my first hill to start this adventure. What does that feel like and what are you presented with? Um, totally excited, I suppose. You, 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 it's building all the time, actually, you, this, this anticipation. <laughs> Is this going to work? <laughs> because, you know, potentially... Um, you've built yourself up for a big fall here. You, you've actually sort of committed yourself to be somewhere um, where it's going to take you at least three days to get home. Um, if it's not, if it's not going to be flyable, if it's not, if you're not, if I can't do it, it's going to, it's going to be a, a good story too, I'm sure. Um, but I took the view that actually it was an adventure, and the flying to me, uh, and the beauty of paragliding, as you would know, Wes, is actually. Um, it takes you to places where you would never ever go. Exactly. If you were going as a tourist or on a normal transport. Um, so here I was in a place where no one would normally go um, already before I even flown. Yeah, so and even paraglider pilots haven't even chosen yeah, to go there. So yeah, yeah even yeah. less people have wanted to go there. <laughs> yeah. I'm here now. Like, I'm here so it was now. very much a case this is, of this is what we've got. We'll make the most of it. Yeah, we'll make, this is what I'm yeah. fronted with. We'll make the most of it. So yeah. this mountain range, the first one you get to, how tall? We, how high are we talking? What, what's the start? Um, the top, I topped out at 2,700 meters. This is your first takeoff. This is where you. No, I forget. Took off at two two. I think so. I wasn't at the top. So um, yeah, that was. Um, that, the next, well, the next story, I suppose, is I took me a day to take off. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair, she yeah. prepped your so, kit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what you've got to appreciate with Nepal landscapes is that um, the grass that looks like grass from a distance is actually not grass. It's just covered in thorn bushes and rocks. And if it is grass, it's far too steep to take off. And there's trees in the front of it. So wherever you think it's grass, it's actually got a, the trees to get over. Um, so I basically I could most of the hill trying to find the takeoff for the first day. Um, which um, and, and some of those takeoffs were pretty rad. You know, I was trying to launch from a track with some of the poorly ladies that have been walking past with baskets of wood holding my glider. <laughs> so I translated I tried to sort of like explain to them, just just hold it, just hold this. Yeah. When I go when I go, okay, 
you let go and I pull it up and I, I take off. <laughs> <Doesn't work. laughs> no, no, no. no, no I, tried go. On, I tried on the Malverns with English people, it didn't work. Like, didn't work. In fact, I was on the track and the wind was coming from the, well, there was no wind. It was actually, ah, oh, so that didn't work. So, yeah, forward launch doesn't, yeah. So, anyway, a hot, sweaty day. Big frustration because it was beautiful. It was, it was a good flying day. Um, anyway, I found a nice, nice place to stay that night and that was cool. Um, so you, have to, you had to walk back down to find no, your No, no, I stayed, I stayed high. Stayed yeah, high. so I stayed, I camped, I camped high first night. Yeah, we're doing it, the tent's out. <laughs> At least I'm using that. <laughs> you know, even the wings. It's, in the bag. I wouldn't worry about the tent, it's that sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah. I'd be sleeping uh, in that even if I was yeah, in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was I, well, I did sleep in that, even if it wasn't a hotel, because <laughs> it was at least clean. <laughs> the sheets were suspect. Um, so, yeah, first night out, um, and you talk about the route. You, I'd, all the plans are put in place, all this, all this Google map searching I'd done, all these sort of like lines on Google Earth I'd put, drawn in, thinking yeah, that, that range there and that sort of stuff was actually, well, that was at the window now, because I was now starting from somewhere else. <laughs> so instantly you know that plan of your route is basically out of the out of the tent and actually your plan now is just go east ish yeah, yeah. <laughs> get back onto the route yeah, yeah just just you know you are sun, sun on your right yeah you sorted um so that that was the sort of the next the next so day route. two wake up what's the conditions looking like now you're going to try and hike up to the same place you were trying to take off the day before do you now have some wind are is the situation different what are you presented with on the on your next day waking up in your tent sunshine yes yeah. um so next day um yeah, and it's, you come back to this camera thing don't you so instantly you're up the hill slow record the sunset coming up pictures of the tent doing this pictures of me having breakfast it's just like you know so you've got this sort of background task um, running in your head thinking I've got to film this I've got to take, take some footage I need to you know record every moment if I because, can because I mean I guess it's important to realize that you never did this because you wanted to make a film but at the same time you're thinking well this could make a good film yeah so if you think that from day three you've missed it's never going to yeah. make a film because yeah. you've, you've missed these bits so if you were going out there with the mindset that you're a filmmaker and you want to do this but I believe you didn't even have any YouTube content before you gone out there no, or something do no, you know no. so you're not a filmmaker but you're not a filmmaker basically so it's not the first thing that comes to your mind so now you're going out there thinking i'm having this amazing adventure it would be cool if i can also put a film yeah. together but because that's a secondary thought that's obviously a, a big drain on yourself because you're thinking do i film myself trying to take off and failing when i could have took off and missed the thermal yeah. how do i approach this mm. Well, you, I think it was a case of um, I just tried to grab every opportunity I could to film, um, and inevitably, some takeoffs I didn't film because, you, as you know, you can be sort of like anticipating a takeoff for five, ten minutes possibly, and if you had your GoPro running for that long, um, you'd run out of storage and battery, yeah. and so you end up thinking, "Oh, flyable, up, go!" Um, and other times, I'm sort of sitting there going. Okay, I've just wasted five minutes of footage, waiting for Miss something to sort of blow through and I can launch into. Um, so the next day, um, I'd spotted a bit of a clearing um, on this one bank, um, a bit higher up than I'd well, sort of in a very strange place where I'd been the day before. Um, and I basically went there, sussed it out, laid out the, the, the cleared the, the fawn brushes from that little spot, um, hid my bag. It was quite early, so I walked. I was conscious now. I didn't have much water, so I walked um, a couple of hours 
a couple of hours, an hour there, an hour back, just to get some more water. Um, got back, bag was still in the bushes, laid out. Um, yeah, and took off. It was a pretty sketchy takeoff, to be fair. Um, I remember sort of just dodging and kicking a tree on the way out. Um, but yeah, I was in the air. But you're in the air. First time in the air. <laughs> and what do you launch into? Good climbs or you have to find... You straight, have to fly, up, straight, straight up, Wes. Yeah. Straight up. And actually, there's, it will show a little montage of flying um, halfway through all this. And actually, that first part of that shows my climb out. Um, and I was joined by six, ten vultures. These, yeah, and, wow. uh, and I'd seen them earlier in, in, in the day before, sort of enjoying it. And they joined me. I joined them. Um, yeah, and yeah, you've thrown some big vultures. These guys have never flown a paragliders before. They were coming straight at me. He's going, whoa. You know, he's just like dropping out the sky. Yeah, they're like, just, of all the birds you yeah. fly with, they're stoned 100%. They, they, so they don't looking. mean you any harm. No. They're just stoned. Yeah, they were just chilling in yeah. the thermal, thinking, yeah, let's go around this guy. This is fun. You know? <laughs> and actually, every now and again, and, and the, you won't see it tonight, but on some of the, you'll see it in the film. Um, yeah, a couple of times I'm shouting, whoa! You know, as this, as this vulture goes, whoa, who's that? <laughs> and off he goes. Anyway, top of the thermal. And so, first of all, the takeoff, for, for the people who aren't paraglider pilots yeah, who are watching, must remember that. when you take off for the first time, that feeling, I, I wasn't there. This is important that people know. I've not heard this story. I'm hearing it now for yeah, the first time. No one has I that. imagine <laughs> when you take off, there's at least a few whoops and a yee-haw because your adventure doesn't really start until your feet are off the ground, right? Yeah. It's a paragliding yeah. vol-biv trip. So the paragliding is a fundamental part where you're going for a walk. Yeah. So <laughs> when those feet leave the ground the first time, I should imagine there's some whoops and some elation and you feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you feel like this is the start, man. We're yeah. away. And actually, interestingly, I, you know, after how many years of flying I've been doing, you sort of, you settle into, your, into the harness and it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah, this is going to work. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's yeah, it is. And actually, my my first week was just to a shepherd that had been watching me um, for most of the morning, tending his goats, and the the, the goats had little bells on them, like like being in the Alps, really. Um, and I sort of gave him a whoop whoop as I went past. <laughs> he he would be trying to explain when he got home about this guy who flew and the people. <laughs> um, anyway, so and it just yeah, the first climb all the way up blue not a single cloud um uh, i got to sort of three and a half thousand meters um and you had to be there but so here i am i'm looking at india i'm looking at the Appy mountains i'm looking at the Sepi mountains and i'm just looking at the distance of the mountains beyond and it's just awesome yeah, yeah. Did you feel like you've bitten off more than you can chew, or did you feel like, why, like I, I this is it? Everything's buzzing, a bit. I was buzzing, yeah. absolutely buzzing. And the, the Himalayas are different to the Alps. The Himalayas have, uh, um, I guess, it's because it has been thrust up um, out of the earth and haven't really been glaciated. But there's not the formation that you get in the Alps of the valleys and the sort of the, the hanging valleys. This is just a maze of valleys. <laughs> there seems to be no structure to it. So you're looking across this. Um, this maze of ridges and and um, it's quite awe-inspiring. Really, I remember when I was talking to Greg Hamilton about it. He said, "Well, actually, if I zoom out enough, you're just doing a ridge run, which it looks like it is. The Himalayas do that, but actually, in between the detail, <laughs> there's valleys and gorges and and you're going to be between the detail quite yeah, a lot, I should imagine. It is. Yes. Yeah. So that first day, lift was quite consistent for you, or you were working hard." what 
you pushed east, I'm, I'm guessing, from what you said. What yeah. does the first day entail? How far do you get? What, where do you land? Do you land high? Do you land because you have to? You know, what, what was the first day? Um, yeah, it was a good day, actually. I, 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 not massive distances. No, no day is massive, really. Um, I think I did about 35K. Um, got to the end of this valley and just couldn't, couldn't climb out of this valley. It was just... Um, it was, ju- it was just nothing working. Um, even the vultures had left. Um, and so I was, I was caught on this end of this valley, um, couldn't get into the next one for ages. Um, and eventually I had a couple of choices. I ever sort of sidelanded or went down to the beautifully green paddy fields at the bottom. And I thought, well, let's, yeah, let's be safe first day. Um, and landed. Uh, and there was the, the first welcome committee that I was to experience for the rest of the the journey um and actually there's there's um we've got a little montage of the welcome committee and then sean can play that now yeah because this was going to be one of my this would be one of my big questions i guess there's going to be a lot of fear from people who want to pursue this sort of thing about how you're going to get met what are you going to get greeted by generally wherever i've flown in the world wherever you land people are good but sean plays the um the montage of the the landing um I was shocked when that got sent over to us and you were saying this is how it, it sort of starts and it carried on. Uh, yeah. And this was, this was a, came a regular feature. Um, and actually it's sort of, I mean, that's the wrong one. That's the flying montage, isn't it? It's yeah. the landing one. The, yeah. Don't give them this one. Don't give them this one. Sean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and interestingly on this instance, um, I understood later that actually, all the older ladies in the village, as I was, because I'd been flying around this valley for quite a while, um, had all gone and hidden in the houses. Um, they were fearful of this thing flying over their, 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 their village. They'd t- taken it as some dark omen. Um, th- this village I landed in, um, I think it was Telic, um, had only ever seen two Westerners before. Um, wow. And they were two Americans who'd been there um, passing the word of God on. Um, and that was some time back. So, you know, second, third Western to the village. Um, and really, it was just an amazing reception. And that, interestingly, this is just shit then shows you the maps I was using. On the map I have, which is this one here in front of me, um, the village is in the wrong valley. That's oh, how wow. accurate the maps are. <laughs> 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 it's, it's um, you know, the, this, this tiny villages tucked away in little valleys. It was, yeah, incredible. So, so Sean's struggling with that, obviously. Um, oh, I can take that from the fact that it hasn't been played. You did play it earlier, so I should imagine... Throw it up when you can. Yeah, for, when you can throw it up, Sean, throw it up. Is that, if it's out of context, we'll go back to it. Um, <laughs> so you land, and this is at what sort of time of day? Is this the end of your flying day now when you land? or is this Here the, we go. Here we go. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought it was good to start. So this one. is your welcoming committee. This is, this, is, this is just typical daily evening, daily scenes after landing. Sort of average, sort of like uh, congregation to watch me pack away. So, most places you land, you're greeted with these kind of scenes. Yeah. I guess on the first day, it's a bit daunting, all these people running over to you, don't know what's going to yeah. happen, obviously. Yeah. Um, but then after day one, so what, what happens after this? You Do you take off again, or these people greet you, they invite you to come with them, spend time with them? You, you have to, I mean, you might. I'm assuming possibly you have to spend time with them. They're going to want pictures with you and they're going to, want to know what you're doing and they're going to try and communicate with you. Yeah. So the, um, the thing is, it is, it is, I'm flying once a day. 
Um, yeah. And at so the end of the day, you end up with this, and it, it's a case of actually where do you go from from here. Um, it, it was an adventure to me, and I, I, I didn't. To me, this where I landed um, was the was part of the whole unknown adventure that I was actually having. So when you arrive in the village, you're um, you're you're welcome. The people you start talking to start dictating the next step in your adventure. It's an interesting scenario. So. Am I going to be invited into someone's house? Am I going to um, just walk out the village and go back up the hill? Um, you, the fact you, you're taken off that morning, where you'll end up that day is completely unknown. It's a complete yeah. adventure. So the, the village landings, the, the landings of other people, to add to that unexpected sort of next step entirely, and nothing ever plays out. No, no day ever played out the same. Yeah. And days like weeks no so way. Did, did you start seeking out villages because you knew this sort of welcome that you'd get or <laughs> um no i didn't i, I basically it was nice balance um the, the, i think the best was to land in the village and be welcomed um or to be allowed to land on the hill where there's no one um the worst scenario is when you landed um in the halfway house position where um you ended up on the edge of a village and people came to see you you were trying to stay in the tent um and people were sort of just watching you cook or watching you sort of go to sleep. That was, <laughs> I'd rather be remote in my tent or in the village taking hospitality or staying in a tea house. So yeah. it's, a, it's the two, the two were the, were the two I tried to seek out, I suppose. Yeah, it um, makes sense. Like full immersion in, in either, yeah. you know, full immersion in the fact that I'm alone and I'm doing this on my, yeah. on my own or full immersion in the fact that I'm with a new culture and I'm, mm. fo- I'm, I'm with them, want to see what they're doing, what they're getting up to. So this night you get greeted. Where'd you spend the night? Um, that's an, an interesting you know, every time I land in the village the, the one point of reference that you have is an English teacher or a teacher because oh, um, okay. they're the one the few people in the village that can actually speak reasonably good English or very good English in most cases um, and so uh, consequently I know a lot of teachers in, in Nepal um, <laughs> so um, you end up t- speaking to um, these great guys who are very keen to sort of help you um, such sort of welcoming and the holy people are so hospitable that so want to sort of you know welcome you to their home so i was really inundated with a place to stay um more often it would i'd be staying in a tea house because that was just easier it was because of spare bed um if i stayed in a in a farmhouse it was often taken someone's bed um or someone's house often taken their bed which was you know it's great but actually you know it's balancing the, the thing out um this night i ended up um, spending some time in the village. Um, one, one of the things I always try to do as a default um, take five, what am I going to do is um, ask for a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> True English style. Um, I, I, and I, I got quite accustomed to the tea. Um, so I'd you know, just, just let them sort of like, you know, just have conversations, do the selfies, um, have a cup of tea, and then you can suss out, okay, what's the weather going to do tomorrow? Um, where do I want to be tomorrow taking off? Should I stay here? Should I walk out the village and try and get high? Um, so it gave you a chance to sort of, and, and also a chance for the crowd to disperse. Um, so you go down from you know, one, two hundred, the entire, in the entire village, you end up with maybe sort of 50 people down yeah. to 20 or so. Um, How do you choose whose house to stay in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of offers, I should Yeah, imagine. yeah. Um, just go with the flow yeah, yeah just go with the flow um uh, this night i actually stayed on a ridge um 
in Nepal, there's, there's villages either little tiny villages um, tucked away, or there are these markets they get on the ridge line. So a lot of roads meet on the top of the ridges, mm-hmm. um, and in that in that area, you end up with all the shops, which end up being like trading posts for wholesalers dropping off and the villagers buying the food there. So like a market town um and this night I stayed on the, on the top of the ridge i've been trying to get across in, in a tea house um which is great you know it's uh, in a sort of very basic room but downstairs you've got open fire you know and you know cooking so food. this is where you restock as well so if you need anything i guess you don't after the first one but as time went on this is where you would stock you'd land you'd end up in the village yeah what are we talking in the way of shops and stuff what do you land and what are you presented with to buy etc yeah I was, um if i was buying because with the food i took i also took noodle i bought noodles and that sort of stuff because it's like easy stuff to find water um but also by landing in a village or or somewhere like that i was able to sort of charge back you know get ahead in the charging of all my devices um because absolutely that was a constant constant challenge you've, you've got i've got a solar panel um which um i had flying out in front of me most of the time when i was flying to sort of charge the, uh, uh, battery pack um but inevitably it's you're sort of running more battery than you can actually charge up so it was a great chance to sort of like so that was more important keep, in the food really like keep my electric yeah going. to a degree but actually the f- yeah food was yeah keep it simple really um yeah yeah so you sleep on the mountain um the next flying day where'd you head further west again <laughs> um yeah, so the next, the next day was dreadful. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we wanted to hear. Enough of all the good stuff, yeah. less of the bad stuff. So you open the door and it's just this cloud blowing through, this icy cloud blowing through. You're thinking, okay, today's different. <laughs> I missed that one. In cloud and it's blowing through at a really fast rate of knots. Uh, and uh, yeah, so obviously it was going to be a different day. And and so for my idea that that had been to try and take off um, from somewhere around there, but it was not really an ideal hill. And nothing really sort of grabbed my attention, sort of where to go. So um, it ended up that day I actually jumped in a, on a lorry, um, which was heading um, north to a village in the next valley, which I knew would have been great to sort of continue the journey. Um, so in essence, I just kind of dropped down. Um, Lessons dropped down. I would have dropped down on the paraglider, but it's like a, a six-hour lorry journey. <laughs> <laughs> but I jumped off and, and flew later. Yeah, that's. I mean, that the the lorry journey is all part of the adventure, yeah. though, right? That's the great thing about not being constrained by the fact it's a race. You have the freedom. That's mm. the main thing. It's okay. We talk about having freedom in a paraglider, and it's a great expression of freedom. It is. We go wherever we like. But on an adventure like this, it's also great to have the freedom to say, "I can jump in this lorry." Yeah. And I can take a detour around when I know it's not flyable. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that's a day wasted then the next day. Only one day, the next day you're back in the air again? No, well, the day wasted, no, I did fly. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so the great thing, again, about being on a lorry or something, something um, under your own steam is that you can just jump off and, and take off. Um, and yeah, without going into too much boring detail for those that aren't flyers, I basically, I, again, came into this village um, and dropped down and we stopped and you, you drop on the you stop on the side of the road for lunch it's little tea houses churn out um dalbart for all the travelers um you sit down you get some dalbart then you standard fare really good normally dalbart dalbart you what? haven't been to nepal yet have you yeah <laughs> no i've never been to nepal no. <laughs> um, I guess be careful my 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 concert descriptions of dalbar, but dalbar yeah. is a single plate you get, and it's it's basically it's a bottomless dish, 
Okay. So actually, it, I'm in. You're in. <laughs> it consists of little dishes of uh, rice, inevitably, um, sometimes um, some flatbread, um, some pickles, sometimes some meat dishes, a curry, um, and lots of different sauces. So it's, it's a great little fare. Um, and it's, yeah. And if you finish it, there's more on your plate. And, and you have to pay for this? this is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't cost much, that's for sure. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but whilst we're having this Del Bar, as you know, the air above the mountain, which now dropped behind, looked really good. So um, I thought, no, I, I can't just continue. I can't just continue. So um, I was talking to the guy who I've got friends with who's driving the lorry, and um, I saw this tuk-tuk coming back up the road. Um, I go, I think I'm going to go back. Give me my bag. And um, this tuk-tuk had no one in it. So it's like, whoa, <laughs> give me a lift. Um, so amazing. It was empty. Um, and I got a tuk-tuk back up to the, to the, to the village I'd just come through. Um, and I'd seen this temple sitting on this grass um, area. And then every temples are covered, surrounded by grass because of you know, the sort of central places in the, in the market. Um, and so I walked across to this and it was, yeah, it was perfect. Perfect apart from it went straight into a gorge, which was completely full of trees and um, a fast flowing river. And so I had to be, no, it was going to work. Because yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't see an option to land at that point. But, you know, I, I was in, sh- because the air was coming through, it was, felt good. Um, you know how it is, where's it? Um, and I thought, actually, you know, so long as I can get the, the wing above my head, feeling like it wants to fly, I'm off here. And yeah. that's sure enough, yeah, audience f- watching didn't help. So second time up in the air, wing was above my head, felt good, off I go. I climbed up and off. Um, and yeah, back in the air, it was brilliant. Um, but then I realized I'd left my water camelback in the back of the no. So it's like, boom. Um, which kind of was okay, but wasn't okay because I needed something to, you know, I needed something to carry a decent amount of water. Uh, and also in the air, I wanted to be able to drink in the air. So um, I knew where the lorry was going. So I basically flew to the town that he was going to and landed. Um, and two hours later, he turned up in that little town and I got my camelback <laughs> back. Chasing <laughs> your camelback. So did, you, did that hinder your performance for the day yeah, flying-wise? Big yeah, time, yeah. I, I would have carried on. Um, that day for sure yeah. I, I weighed up I weighed up the, the hassle and the urgency that I needed to so yeah yeah I mean at this point things have gone quite well so you're thinking if without water that's when things are mm. going to start to go that's when things can start to spiral out of mm. control and you're like, this is getting worse and worse and being without water in a really hot country when it's not flowable as well lots of walking yeah, it makes sense that you go and you go and you land in this village. So that's your flying done for that day, or that was yeah, then that, I was, get more that was that day, another reception. Um, but yeah, water was key um, to my. It's one of the hardest things to get hold of. Uh, mm-hmm. It's time I was there, a lot of snow had just about melted off, so there wasn't a lot of snow high up. Um, and when you're high, it's actually very dry. There's not a lot of streams, so I was conscious that actually, if time you've cooked um, and used water that day, um, I was needing three liters of water a day so to really um keep myself hydrated um so nervously you know you start off with three three liters three kilos of water time you get to the end of the day you're on the end of that and then you need to find water for the next day so it was it that was um that was one of the bigger challenges of um of actually um the whole journey really so were you planning your route around finding water or? no i i was fortunate most of the time i was able to sort of top up 
Um, so I had my camelback and the, and the leaves with water, which I just filled whenever I could. Um, sometimes I'd actually be um, just passing a, a, a small shepherd's hut or something, going to be a bit of a, a tap or a street, yeah, coming out of the side of the hill and just fill up that way. Or, wow. You know. So that's that day you've put yourself back because you've had to go and land for your water. Next morning, up, cycle over again, walk up to the top of a mountain, or yeah. you were part way up the hill at this point? No, I was on the bomb. Um, and so, and the other thing I, 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 I sort of, made the use of and sort of supported the community was i actually quite often um employed someone to carry my bag <laughs> <laughs> that's also can something I you say, can't do in the expert can i can i yes <laughs> do you not do that in the expert no <laughs> don't know why you didn't do that uh, top tip Wes. <laughs> um, so you yeah. employ so people just are there to i guess they just want to be part of the journey right this is unique to them yeah well yeah, as a, as a as a country, they're always carrying stuff up yeah. and down mountains. Yeah, yeah. so um, they're used to doing, it and and they will pay other each other to to carry stuff up the mountain. So it's it's um it's part of how you transport stuff up footpaths. Um, so yeah, it's sort of a set rate. You know, it's like you know how much is um, so you know five hundred rupees an hour is the sort of rate that I was working on most of the time. Um, What's that equate to? Oh, well, not, um, seven pounds, I think. So it's quite good money. Yeah, that's yeah. good money, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, and to me, it, it, was, it was several advantages to it. Um, one, obviously. You're not carrying a bag. You're not, <laughs> you're not carrying a bag. Um, the other one was actually they knew they, where they were going. Because um, there's so many paths and you, you're passing old paddy fields which have got thorn bushes on them and there's you know this it's not clear where to go so quite often they know the way and if they don't know the way if they meet someone they can ask the way so yeah. not only are you walking up with less effort um you're actually getting there quicker because they, you're going the correct route yeah um and you're getting to have a conversation of sorts with someone um, and you're giving someone some money back into the local community so how did the win, pace win, win. compare them with the bag and you without were you keeping pace yeah. with them or they were still yeah, they, were, they were pushing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> there was one chap god he was young young lad um it, it, literally he, he didn't want any money um I, I had a job to keep up he must have been in like sort of 14 or something and he was off he was just, Whoa. <laughs> this is what they do yeah and you're high up in the mountains yeah, altitude yeah, as well, you forget you know, that. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like three thousand meters is a little bit harder <laughs> so you get you pay someone to take your kit up you're on to your time, next, yeah yeah you're, you're on to your next flying day now how far into the journey are we at this point they're not very far <laughs> <laughs> nowhere near where we want to be <laughs> my whole flying career has been about slow progress right? <laughs> 1992 to here yeah. I've got another there's a trend yeah. <laughs> these guys better strap in <laughs> you see why I don't need XP I'm on a slow burn <laughs> <laughs> so was I during the XP <laughs> it's not a voluntary thing in the XP um, okay so you're you're still very much at the beginning of the journey yeah. then have you got like a sense now of urgency or are you still just you're lost in the fact that hey this is an adventure yeah I, I was there was no urgency yeah yeah this is, I, I was playing it as it went um so it's and that's if i i think um the key to, for me was to live the moment yeah i had in every respect it, it, we, we talk about being scared or or, or anticipating you know issues coming up for me it was about it is what it is um if it rains it rains where i am today is where i am it's it's about being there 
living it, I, I appreciated how lucky I was to be there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was lucky to meet those people I met. I was lucky to be flying up those, those mountains. Um, and I likened it quite a lot to the fact that um, it's a bit like a mountaineer hitting a, a, a peak or someone running the first river. You know, I was running the first flight across these mountains and actually that was loving it. You yeah, know, taking off these, from, these, I mean, how many times have paragliders took off from the mountains that you've took off on? Uh, None, you no. can pretty much safely say, yeah, right? Yeah. I was making fresh, fresh lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's always yeah. quite awesome. I mean, in, in the base jumping community, that's a big thing to open mm. an object, you know. And in paragliding terms, lots of us paragliders are, will never experience that. Mm. So to be doing that, walking through and thinking, I'm the first person to take yeah. off here, is massively scary. Yeah. And then also, it's massively exciting. Mm. How, how are you with the psychology side of things? How are you thinking? How are you approaching each day? You know, at this point, not a lot's gone on, but I guess at points fear would have crept in or you know there's been points where you've scared yourself or things have <laughs> happened where you thought oh am i pushing it a bit here yeah yeah um i had sort of the philosophy that actually um and i think paradigm parts will appreciate this the, the philosophy i had was actually the point of fear is probably as i'm about let's put my point of fear of the flight at the point of takeoff so the anticipation of the walk up don't worry about it you're not yeah. in danger. You, you, just, you haven't got yourself into any issues. Um, laying out the kit and eating that final snack and setting it all, packing it all into the, into the backpack. You know, there's no point in worrying about it. Um, clipping in, cool. Check aiming over. Keep a clean head. Make sure everything's in, everything's cool. Um, okay, better take off now. Um, and and I, I literally left the, the, the element of oh cracks um for want of a better word um until the moment i stepped off the mountain mm. and by doing that i didn't actually develop the the um anticipation um that could have killed the uh, i could have made a mistake on i think that's how i describe it yeah um and i think you you know yourself where's that actually the minute you launch and the wing is tight and you are leaving that hill the fear is gone and it's actually yes when yeah we exactly it's, it's a short moment and, I, and those, I kept it to a very small element of my my flying yeah it's one of those things where you having a bad landing is just sometimes part of flying in the sort of flying that you're mm. doing having a bad landing is to be accepted it may happen you know because you're flying terrain so but having a bad takeoff is your fault it's that simple mm. if you have a bad takeoff yeah. you've made a, 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 an error you know that might not be the case when you're coming mm. into land especially if the the form bushes look like grass you know so i guess it is all about that initial takeoff if i get this bit right and i get in the air boom this is the worst bit over and done yeah. with now yeah. now let's just fly it was most days um there were a few days <laughs> it went a little bit um hairy um uh, I suppose the, the, the two elements of being um, concerned after taking off. Um, there were twice I found myself, um, and we'll show some footage, I hope, um, in a minute. Um, I found myself in a, a valley with nowhere to land. Um, yeah, you know, it had been working all day, and I, both times it was really replicating the same scenario. So you get confident. You sort of, you're moving, you're moving them from valley from spur to valley to spur, and you come over this one spur, and you're in the next valley. And I describe it as a sort of scallop-shaped type valley, where at the end it was very closed in, with great big steep gorge, um, with a river coming up it, and the whole lot was just tree-lined. 
um, and all there was apart from the trees, well, it wasn't trees, it was rocks, sheer rock faces, and the bottom was just a, 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 a rough river. Um, and so no, no landing options, zero. It's no. a tree landing because you don't want to be in the it's river. It's a tree landing. Um, and um, it was, that is quite, so it wasn't really working. Um, so I, man I managed to get onto this rock face and maintain this rock face. And when, if we play the video um, of the on the flight shortly, you'll see my tractors this on this rock face for quite a while. And I wasn't going anywhere, but I wasn't going down, fortunately. And then eventually I found the bubble and eventually I had enough to get, out of that valley, and that happened twice. Um, that was um, that was quite concerning. Um, and then I suppose the other point where fear really crept in, and I had a sort of a bad headspace moment thereafter, um, was I, I took off, um, this is probably about day 14, 15. I took off really late in the day. It was very unstable. Um, and I, I talk about bad headspace day. I think the headspace day was the fact started before i'd even taken off and the fact i'd got to the top of the mountain really late um i it was quite windy which i hadn't had a lot of wind um and the wind was, was coming from round from the west um and i was hoping to take off from the, the south facing slope which was a little bit clearer but it was just the wind was just cutting round and it wasn't possible to get the, the the glider up out of the bushes um so i went around to a very small space to try and cobra it out of this um it wasn't it was very small space indeed. And as I was standing there, I had two butterflies land on both of my thumbs. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, is that good omen or bad <laughs> omen? Um, and I, I, I thought, <laughs> frustrating thing was, I couldn't quite press the GoPro to capture the moment. <laughs> but anyway, they flew off. So I thought, okay, that's a good omen. It's fine. And I managed to get the wing up, flew out. Um, and yeah, I spent so much time climbing this mountain getting ready, getting to the right takeoff. You sort of take your eye off the ball for the weather. And early on in the morning, there was a few puffy clouds. These things have now gone vertical. Um, and I had a couple of major collapses, say major collapses. In, in, the, in the world of paragliding, it wasn't more than 50% in the wing. So, it, you know, it was a manageable collapse. No issues, really. Um, and this wing's pretty solid, really. Um, but it was booming. Uh, I needed to get out of there. And I had a job getting down. So but 50% collapses in a place where you've got very little yeah, landing yeah, yeah. options. So. Yeah, and they're quite close to each other. So that moment you're going, oh, it's okay. Bang. It's yeah. like, but okay. Which quite often happens, right? Because yeah. you get one and you yeah. think, oh, I've dealt with it. Boom, the next yeah. one comes. So yeah, so, that's quite common. But to, to get that over an area where you know, yeah, so, you know, on the flatlands of the UK, you think, right, I can sort this out. But for that to happen in those spaces, because people who aren't flying paragliders or are listening, you know, if... if this wing collapses 50%, you, you lose 50% of everything you control. You're controlling one side of the wing. So now the immediate thing is get this thing flying yeah, again yeah. as quick as possible. And that's when you've got landing options. So to not have those options. So I flew out into the valley, <clears throat> spiraled down, um, which is for non-paragliders. Non it's when you, you bank very hard and you go down a bit quicker than you normally go down. Um, down to this paddy field, pulled out to launch, back up again. It was actually, it was, <laughs> so, so I literally landed in with my wing, big ears, those um, wingtips tucked in um, into this paddy field. And that's the time you don't want a reception. Yeah. You're landing there and your, your heart is going, you're sweating. You just want to like hug the ground and you get this crowd of people and you're thinking, bugger off. You know? <laughs> yeah. For those who don't fly paragliders, paraglider pilots look to the sky wishing they were there most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Sometimes we land glad that we're not in the sky yeah. anymore. And this sounds like it was one of those it times. It was one of those right? days. The only day I really had like that. Um, 
but yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Yeah, it sounds, uh, it yeah. sounds a bit hectic. Do you want to put that uh, yeah, video on? Can we so play the, the video? Um, the video that correlates to, to what you just said, yeah. I guess. Yeah, this day. Um, so you're well underway at this point. You're, you're well, well in the Well, this, is, this is covers it all. So I hope you can hear the sound on this one. Just have a... <laughs> I guess that video didn't end there. No. <laughs> but you're keeping that to yourself for the movie, are you? Yeah, you'll have to watch the, the, the final <laughs> film to find out what happens there. But my explanation for those who are thinking I'm just rubbish at landing. Is um, you rubbish at landing? <laughs> <laughs> that was steeper than it looked. And um, I came in, just managed to reach the bit that I landed on. Um, I wasn't a, I tried to step back. And because I was carrying so much weight, I just fell backwards. Um, yeah. The rest of it remains for the film. <laughs> <laughs> so for the non-paraglider pilots who would have now seen the terrain that you were describing, um, they might not understand the way that a paraglider stays in the air. Wind come up, comes up a hill and we saw on the wind, basically. You explain which, it this way. <laughs> yeah, you don't, really want, you don't really want much wind in a valley situation like that anyway. Um, so we're hoping for not much wind or thermals rise. They're a pocket of warm air and we get on the thermals and we climb high. Um, if you've got no thermals, and you've got no wind, which you don't really want wind anyway, you're coming down. Because people will think once the paraglider's in the air, you can stay in the air, so you can just cross these valleys. But that's very much not the case. And I'm guessing it didn't look very windy there that day either, but were you hit with flying in the Alps and stuff, you get hit with some really bad valley winds that are quite dangerous. And Is that the case here? Or I haven't heard you speak much about wind in your flying conditions. No. Um, I had a valley wind a couple of times, um, and I had... Um, the weather was something I said was one of my biggest challenges and actually there's a couple of times it was quite windy um probably too windy for for me to take off in that location anyway um, now, I mean I'm I know you I've flown with you and you're a you're a safe pilot you're um very switched on but you're ballsy there's been times when we've been on hills and you've looked and like what are you think I'm like yeah and you're like yeah let's go then or i've looked and you're like yeah and so i know you're a ballsy yeah. pilot so for you to say like it was windy for you yeah it's going to be pretty blowy in 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 those conditions yeah because yeah. um i think um i, I remain that the fact that i was by myself yeah um so what's we haven't touched on this what's the uh what's your plan for injury and rescue and is there you know a good air rescue service there what's what have you thought about this or have you yeah, just put yeah. it to the back of your mind is it going to be like bob on a hot air balloon or is there, you know a good chopper service yeah so my main um point of reference um for rescue was my inreach um which is this device if you're not on the screen so it's a little tiny Garmin inReach. Um, that has uh, a chance for me to talk to people via text messaging and also um, has an SOS button which I can press. Um, and the, the, the rescue service that I paid and signed up for um, was one whereby if I didn't press it and um, oh, sorry, I did meant to mention, I also had live tracking on that as well. So every 10 minutes it put a ping out for my location mm -hmm. um, and every night I'd put landed safe or taking off from here. Um, just so that people back at home and as a guy in Pocker is looking out for me as well. So I had people monitoring my position. Um, and if there was a situation where I had not moved for a while and I hadn't messaged that I'd landed safe, they could actually raise the alarm for the search and rescue. Um, so that was the, the main sort of backup, I suppose. And I think I wouldn't have done it without it. 
Um, yeah. For sure, I wouldn't. But there is a decent rescue service there. Or I guess you don't know because you didn't use them. But no, Well, there was plenty of helicopters out there. Um, it remains to be seen. Um, you know, but they're not, I mean, it's not it's a not, first world country. The infrastructure is not there, like flying in the Alps yeah. and stuff, I guess. So you're sort of hoping yeah. on the fact that people know how to navigate these mountains because they spent their life yeah. there. So they'll be able to get to me. I think the first point of contact if I had an accident would most likely have been a local. I think, you know, there was, it's very often actually, there wasn't a lot of areas where you, you wouldn't find a person. There's, you know, there's a lot of shepherds um, grazing their sheep up in the mountains. Um, so more than likely if I had an accident, it would, it would have been the first responder would have been a shepherd or something. Um, but I needed to get, if, if something had happened, I needed to get proper um, evac out of there. And that was the route to it really. Um, I did. I, I saw one helicopter. It um, was the only f- aircraft I saw in the in the three weeks I was doing this Volbiv. Um, and I think he came from Simicot somewhere, sort of far towards um, the sort of north end, and was passing by. At this time, I was climbing in the thermal, and you could sort of see his helicopter pilot. I could see his. I could read his mind. He came round. And he sort of did a big massive circle around me, going what <laughs> <laughs> where <laughs> what, what's airspace like out there any no no, no. i was nowhere near anything to do with airspace yeah yeah i, I thought i thought that would be yeah. the case but uh... in, an actual fact in in um place like mozzycott which um uh, which is where i had that collapse uh, mozzycott has an airstrip halfway the mountain uh, and there's one plane comes in there every day mm-hmm. and yeah, you, you, literally, I could have landed at the airport. It was like, yeah, yeah. That, that airplane came in at 10 and left at half 10, and that was it, you know. It was... Yeah, so you're you're well on your way now. You're well in the journey. Everything's going well. You've not really had any bad instances about a collapse and, you know, a few times over the bad valleys and stuff. But how are you adapting, and what do you make of, like, the rural life, the the way that the people are living and the way that you're having to live? Were you landing sometimes and thinking, Wow, I'm more equipped than some of these guys are, or the way that I'm set up. You know, the comparative lifestyle to back home, what you were seeing. How, how did that compare? Yeah, well, I mean, I got to see rural life firsthand, and and quite rural rural life. You know, sort of really sort of um, isolated um, places that I was staying at. Um, in s- simple, easy life is the best way of describing it. The, the sort of the, the farming um, families. They they basically it's handed down for the boys in the family it, farms might get split but they have quite small farms most of the time um and they are completely self-sufficient uh the, the ones that i sort of stayed with were probably only selling one item that they were producing so you know it might be the goats mm-hmm. or it might be uh, some rice um but and, and everything else was for them so you know they had the chickens they had the pigs and they had the cow and they, they made the bread from the maize um they had a solar panel um, for the electricity um, and to charge in their mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and literally, they all they needed were a few things like salt and stuff. So completely self-sufficient, um, and you know, seemed um, happy with it all. But they they had their challenges. You know, whether it was wild boars destroying their crops, which could have left them in a bad state, um, or it was the fact that you know whatever else may have hit them really so I was, I was very conscious that my interaction with them was a fine balance whereby if i could add something to them i would do but i didn't want to take too much away at the same time um and i also became very aware that 
some of the more remote areas, the, 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 the education factor was so key um, to the children's success and, and where they'd go in life. And, and, and the, the more remote it was and the poorer it was, and many children did not get a chance for an education. Mm-hmm. Um, but those that were being educated were really proud of it, looked really smart and you know, embraced the education. And they could, you could sort of see a, um, a very positive vibe around those schools. So I was very much aware that um, it, there's a lot of difference between sort of the wealth within the rural communities as well. So you were, and you felt welcomed all the time, every time you landed, yeah. you, know, you never felt anywhere where you thought, actually, no, this is mean, a bit uncomfortable? No, there's, um, there's a, there is a, and, and this is not um, trying to play too much into it, but there is a problem with um, alcohol consumption in, in some place, yeah, with some people, and, there, and hash was quite prevalent in places. Um, so those that were, had fallen out of the system, you know, that was their go-to substances. Um, so you did come across that sometimes, but nothing aggressive ever. Um, yeah, really, totally welcome. Yeah. Really helpful, really. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not really on the radar much, obviously, in the pools, you said people aren't flying it. So to be the first person to go there and be greeted, you are an anomaly. You, you know, you don't know mm. how you're going to be greeted, but the experiences that you're saying, they're, they're the things that interest me, hence why I do these podcasts, because it's the interaction, the people mm. I meet, the stories I hear, and the fact that you're being greeted like that is amazing. You say that some are learning English. It's, are, there's English people there teaching them, or yeah. Nepalese people yeah. who have gone... No, Nepalese people are, are teachers are speaking good English and are teaching English, yeah. So, um, and all the children are trying to learn English, so they want to try and speak English with you if they can. Um, and then that, that whole education, I was quite, I um, mean, yeah, I was quite drawn into that to, to, to one extent. I actually went to one school um, and talked about the paraglide. I'd flown over the day before, um, and then the teacher came to find me to say, come and come back to the school. So I went back to the school and yeah, welcomed in and uh, I sort of, it was pretty damp day. So I wasn't going <laughs> I was just thinking. Yeah, I was just I'm not thinking. missing my flying day. No, so it was a day, I, a day I didn't fly and couldn't have flown. It actually it turned, it started wet and got wetter. Um, so I basically you know, laid the glider out in the, in the school yard and they were saying, okay, you, you fly off here now. No, it's like the sheer edge off the playing field down into a valley when there was a land. No, I'm not doing that. It's raining. My glad is wet. It's like, no, I'll show you on the ground, okay? <laughs> so um, that was great. Yeah, it's just give something back. And, and, and a lot of the teachers I'm still in touch with. Um, so, oh, yeah? Yeah, it was really, really, um, some really good guys out there. So I'm hoping, you know, and we'll talk about my sort of give back later perhaps, but yeah. what I'm hoping is actually give something back to these guys. Yeah, which would be amazing. Mm. But so back to your journey, we've you're well established. You're you're going through now. You know you've got past the midway point, um, and you're sort of approaching the end. Are you getting near to where you think you wanted to land? Are you getting near to completing it? Or maybe you don't want to say you want to get it for the video, but are you well enough in that you think, yeah, this is this is on. Like this is this is it for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna fly this. Yeah, it's the weather um, deteriorated. Far west of Nepal, as you go in deep, it's really good early on. It's a nice high pressure fits in that sits in there, um, which you can use. But as it goes into March, this is perhaps stuff I've learned later, um, it becomes unstable, and particularly the route I was trying to take. So I was I was I came out of sort of the deep valley that runs up to Simicot, and then I was trying to get around onto the sort of the front mountains to run down um to um to uh I'm in the mountain now, um, to the Kaligandaki Gorge, um, 
and Dilligiri, which is the, the main sort of mountain range there. I was hoping to get onto this mountain range up to 8,000 meters, you know, yeah, get, get the selfie. Yeah. The glacier, <laughs> with oxygen. Um, so that well, was a long so, way for a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was, yeah, that was my ambition of actually the journey was actually to position myself there to sort of yeah go wow you know I am a mere mortal in the sky god position. Um, but the weather deteriorated and the the base was quite low. It's at three and a half hours, and so I found every day I was um, struggling to get across passes. Mm-hmm. So I was running, I was running valleys, but I couldn't get out of the pass at 4,000 meters. So I was walking out of valleys, uh, which is like quite hard work. And quite often these valleys then would have snow on them. So it became trickier and trickier. So as, as my time went on, it got harder, um, which should have been quicker because I was running great ridges, you know, great mountain ranges, but actually it was, it was tricky flying. What contrastly, what, what have you gone from? What's your good days? What meter a second climb? What sort of height is base? How long are you spending in the air to now this? Um, so best day, um, I think I did 65k um, climbs of sort of four and a half, five meters a second. Nice. Up. Yeah. P- big, 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 wide thermals, small punchy stuff, a mixture. Um, yeah, pretty easy to stay in. Yeah, I've got all these vulture friends they just <laughs> <it's here. laughs> um uh, so yeah and so easy, easy to stay in films generally yeah i didn't, it didn't fall out of them it's just yeah just rank it up and then you go um and yeah getting to i think i got to sort of i did four thousand meters in my top top down of four um the port the, the, the i was hoping to get sort of above an inversion and go high but yeah. the weather i had was um it was either um, it's just basically overdeveloped. So it, it, there was no inversion. It just yeah. boomed. So it went from 4,000 to 8,000 in the same cloud sort of thing. It's yeah, just yeah. Yeah, big stuff. Yeah, you, stuff that you stay away from, yeah, definitely. Totally, yeah. So at, at what point are you now thinking, right, this is it? How far are you in when you're thinking like, this is probably coming to, to an end for me now. I'm struggling. I'm banging my head against a brick wall. Are we going to make it? How many days have you been in the mountains? Um, I think after about 15 days, um maybe it was 16 where i was um it was a case of okay forget trying to get to the eastern border let's get to pokhara mm-hmm. um let's get there and i had you know food was fine i, I took enough i carried enough food for 10 days um and you know it was and i was buying and, and eating places so was, that was all fine so my my aim really was sort of okay pokhara is the end game here let's just focus on getting there and covering as much ground as possible in the air really that was that was a sort of the remit um yeah it's um keeping motivated um became quite i suppose if you're sort of the sort of you know how you how you're getting on about day 15 16 it was the sort of the the motivation became the issue because it it was hard work yeah are, are you struggling now as well mentally because although you've got a lot of people around you and you're seeing red people regularly they're not english people you're not getting to share your frustrations when you land in these villages you don't want to offload your burden of the fact that hey look at me i'm this first world guy who can't get this ball of um, material to fly over this mountain because they're never going to get it anyway Mm. they've got their own issues so are you struggling mentally on the fact that you're on your own and you can't offload those burdens to people as well is that getting to you a bit i mean this is you know we haven't perhaps talked about you know going solo um i, I found myself 
talking to myself a lot, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Out loud, Wes. <laughs> I'm not sure it's this sort of talk that we're doing to Tosh. Um, you, you do, you do um, end up having to sort of have this, you know, external voice talking to you about, yeah, it's, you know, just keep going. But I think what I'd found, and I, I admire the guys that do the big stuff, um, you know, 15, 16, 17 days um, carrying 20 odd kilos. Um, the, the energy you put into the thought processes of you, you don't stop until you lie down at night asleep because actually yeah. up until that point you're still charging stuff you're planning your next day you're trying to walk up a mountain um, you're taking off you're mentally trying to plan your route in the air trying to watch what's going on trying to find the thermal um, it's it's um, it's a it's you know it was it was took a lot more out of me than I think I anticipated before mm. um, you're not eating properly you know, and as ill ones you sort of slow slow attrition i think is probably what it was um the weather's against you um you're not getting great flights in you're sort of you sometimes it's just a glide and oh, here yeah. we go again um and then yeah you you land and you you become very um i became very diligent i had a real system for basically right okay you land that goes in that part compartment that goes in that compartment that goes there and that goes there and you're back because yeah. you, you, you everything has to fit in so you've you it's become like a system <laughs> <laughs> i guess also as well like sometimes too much of a good thing becomes a burden as well because you land and you've got no one to share these things with mm. which is great at first because they're just you realize they're moments for you i mean this ah, th wow this is why yeah. i'm doing this this is because I wanted to do this and this is for me. But at some point, the good bits land, you land the, the days and you look around, and you're like, oh, oh, who do I tell? The next person I'm going to speak to is not going to speak English. How do I share this moment? How do I? So I guess even when it's been really good, it very quickly comes down to boom, now we're back on our feet or now we're back doing this or now. Yeah. So I guess even after the good times, it's the most getting that motivation is probably quite difficult again to flood on. Yes. I think that I think the good times weren't too bad. I think when I, it was the bad times. <laughs> <laughs> that actually got to, me more, to be fair, when I landed on a good flight, I didn't care. Um, it, uh, so, um, and I hadn't, I, you know, it was, I think 21, I, I left Kathmandu airport and then I arrived at Pokhara. It was the next person I saw that was from the West that spoke English. Wow. Yeah. It's actually, that's, yeah, that is that scenario. But I say we had 4G. So I was, you know, um, messaging you know, various people yeah. and actually that was quite good just to sort of get that feedback of and, and there was a couple of times um, I got some stuff back which was a real yeah I can yeah because actually you've got to appreciate here it is now as it, as it is now it's February or yeah. March we're in England is shit <laughs> you're having a really good time compared to most people <laughs> so actually yeah. my bad days were quite good in comparison yeah. a walk across <laughs> yeah. the pole would have been okay actually yeah, yeah. if so, you had to fly at all so, you're doing so well so you have to be quite careful how you sort of tempered <laughs> your frustrations of the day when you've got people who, and you're sort of like putting it on Facebook and stuff trying to keep the communication going sort of saying oh, I had a shit day no it's not the wrong word <laughs> <laughs> My day seemed challenging, but it's been okay. <laughs> <laughs> struggling, like struggling, how you're going to write how good your day was is never a bad thing. It's no, always a no, good but I was, just, I was just conscious that actually, you know, again, live the moment. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just that sort of moment when you're cold, you're wet. Um, yeah, you've, you've maybe lost a day. You're bucked up on the uh, finding a takeoff, and uh, yeah, come on, Tosh, you can do this. <laughs> <laughs> what um, do you feel like you were prepared for it? Is there stuff that you wish you'd done, or do you feel you were over prepared? What do you what errors did you see that you think 
well, really, I should have done this, or you know, what would you change? Or um, I think I winged it quite well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I there were some things I wouldn't have taken, and some things I would have taken, but there were small things I would have taken. Something to climb out of a tree if I ended up in a tree mm -hmm. would have helped that pressure. Um, but I was pretty prepared, really. Equipment-wise, um, you don't think you took too much or anything? No, you should have I, mean, I, I took a wind meter. What do I need a wind meter for? It's too easy to fly. It's too easy to fly. <laughs> yeah. yeah just, oh, God. Why'd that end up in my bag? Um, no, that's about right, I think, yeah. It yeah. was um, quite satisfying that actually nearly everything I took, I used. Especially my one pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> they were well used. That one pair of pants came in really handy. So you feel like you you want to go back it's not completed you feel like or even if you completed it let's say you might feel like no this is i want to fly irregularly you know mm -hmm. it's somewhere that has that draw for you or it's something that's ticked off and you want to carry on somewhere else or do you even want to venture anymore my wife watching um as far as i'm concerned this project has reached a stage um if i'm unable to go back yeah, we've got a great film, great story to tell. However, as far as I'm concerned, the project is still live, um, and I want to go back to complete the journey. Mm -hmm. But I also know <clears throat> I had the far west of Nepal is so amazing. It is such a beautiful area of Nepal. The people that are so um, welcoming and hospitable, and the countryside is. Fast. I mean, it's, it's deep. The, the, the Nepal is very deep there. The mountains of Himalayas and that part of Nepal are very deep. I'd be super tempted to go back to the beginning and start again. Yeah? Yeah, seriously. Let but, me just, um, I'll cut you off two seconds. <laughs> to, to remind everybody, get your but, questions over to Sean now. If you do want to ask questions and you haven't already, send some over to Sean. He'll text them over to me because I've specifically, specifically not asked some questions in anticipation that you guys might. So if there is anything you haven't heard yet, pop them over to Sean and shortly we'll go to, to Q&A. So yeah, sorry, carry on, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good distraction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I'd love to go back. I mean, to me, um, I've, I'm, I have done comps and they don't really tick my box. Um, I'm never going to win. Um, they've taught me a lot about paragliding, but they're not where I want to go. Volbib mm -hmm. is where I want to go. And I just feel I've got a real association with Nepal now and I've, I'd love to go back to do more. Also, it sounds like you could start in exactly the same place and have a completely different journey. Yeah, yeah. So oh, why wouldn't you go back and yeah. explore that, you know? And there are, I mean, there was, there was some, yeah, some takeoff, uh, one takeoff I think particularly was just rad. It was just awesome. And, you know, how come that's not a paragliding site? It's just, it was just beautiful. Um, I mean, it's middle of nowhere, yeah. but you're looking at this perfect takeoff in the perfect location for connecting on some massive mountains. Um, and it worked perfectly. So is there no, there's no paragliding community within Nepal that you know of? Or very well, small? Well, and po so Pokhara, yeah, yeah, yeah Pokhara. for sure. And there are, you know, a few people have flown areas of Mozikot in the past, which is, and Mozikot is, um, uh, how far would it be? About 100k uh, west of, of Nepal. Um, you know, people have flown there before, just stayed local um, to that. And, and um, you know, it's like Babu who's flown all over Nepal, really. Mm -hmm. it, Nepali guy who's um, famous for flying off Everest, and um, you know he's um, a great pilot. Um, and he he's he's flown. I think I want to say that he's done a lot of 
of the, the traverse as a, on a tandem in fact oh wow so, yeah so he's he's flown lots in different places but in essence there's no there's no one doing anything where i, I guess was. as well logistics of being being from the pool how do you get back yeah. to these places if you're going in one direction it's not so bad mm. but if you have to get home after each flight would make it pretty difficult as well i guess yeah for sure yeah so but I, I, it's also you know the the infrastructure is not there it's not like pokora of its bars and restaurants and bars it's you know you've got to want to be roughing it really yeah which you were up for roughing yeah, it, yeah, yeah. by the sound of it so <coughs> what was that takeoff that you that was your your favorite flight of the of what what's your favorite takeaway flight from the whole trip i think the first flight has to be probably up there it wasn't the biggest but the the it was such the view it's amazing um yeah and the fact that it worked and i was with semi vultures um yeah it was and yeah that part in the pool was that was me it wasn't the longest um it wasn't the most epic it was just it don't know um just it will sit there as being that sort of like um bonkers best bit really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know um we'll go to qu- uh, questions and stuff shortly um I know it's going to come up, so I'm not going to ask you it yet, but someone's going to, they're going to ask when you're planning next and how quickly. So maybe think that over in your head, are you going to answer that? But um, I'm sure I'll get asked. We'll have a look at some questions now, just because I anticipate that there might be some in-depth ones. So let's cool. see if I've got, I've heard my phone go, so there may be some uh, been sent over to me. Let's see if Sean's sent me over his messages. Um, okay. So someone has said, I'm not sure who they are, so sorry, apologies to everybody if you have asked these questions. Um, where do we find the tracks uh, you flew? Do you have them? Are they being saved for the movie? What Are you, are you going to put them out there? I will, yes. Uh, and I feel frustratingly, because actually I wanted to put them into XE contest at the time, but there's a time limit. To put them okay. So I left it too late. By the time I got back, I couldn't put the first first one in, so I thought, oh, forget it. Um, so I've got all the track logs. Um, and the the route itself was kind of saving for the movie mm-hmm. um to sort of because it ties in with a lot of that um but um i ought to but once the movie's released um i will probably put a, a list of them on the, the website yeah um, so people can then upload them and replay them back themselves yeah like on a duorama sort yeah, of style yeah. i don't know if it's called that anymore. yeah that's, yeah, 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 that, yeah so on there you know <laughs> and people can play them yeah. back so touching on the movie again um how are we looking movie production wise with covid this happened and stuff financially is it impacted time scale what what are we talking what are the impacts of this this happened because i'm assuming that's the biggest reason it's not ready yeah so the idea is rather than just producing a, a great youtube video mm-hmm. um we want to make and, and who would the paragliding audience would love for sure this is more than just paragliding this journey it's about the country it's about the people it's about the adventure it's about normal bloke having quite a good time but actually you know pushing the limits and um having sort of experiences which you would never anticipate they're going to happen um so we want to make it into a film which we can put into film festivals um and try and get some awards and try and get it out there as something which has a bit of a life about it because um, what I'd like to do is actually once it's got a life is actually then hopefully it'll raise some money and then, and then that can then put some money back into the two charities which I'm sort of selecting to sort of um, help 
the country that I've been across. Um, the, the first is the um, Kanali River Trust. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the Kanali River. It's a sort of, you know, it's, there's a, people out there trying to save that river from, um, from being dammed and being, um, being basically exploited for um, money for, by selling electricity to India, you know, to look after the environment that's there, to look after the people that live on the Kanadi River and to save it for, for rafters, to save it for future generations. You know, it's, it sits in a major earthquake zone. It's, it doesn't want damming. And the other one is the um, Karma Flights, which basically is about sort of supporting children's education um, in the remote areas that we fly. So, so we want it to have a life that actually it will get to a level where actually you can send funds back. Um, to do a production like that, we need some funds to get it to that level. So it's not a massive amount. It's you know, f- uh, about £5,000. So we've got a GoFundMe page up there now. Um, we're currently just short of a thousand pounds. We need to get to another four, four and a half thousand. So you know, part of the next process now is to push the GoFundMe, try and get people to throw what they can at it, £5, £10. Some people are very generous. Um, and actually get that so if we can do a proper production. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, t- it takes time to produce a decent film, as you'd know. Yeah. Um, so really, it's about sort of, you know, trying to get the funding in to get the production in to get that film made. Um, yeah. And so all the links to that are on your website. So yeah, on the, the portiverse.com. Yeah. There's links to the um, GoFemi page on there, uh, as there are links on the, the Portiverse um, Facebook Your Facebook page. as well. Yeah. You, can, you yeah. can update people there as well. What, just before we get back to questions here. What sort of pilot do you consider yourself? Where do you think you sit in? Where do you, like, if you were to say experience level, et cetera, or, um, you know, an, an XC pilot or a competitive, where do you think you sit in if you had to say, this is me, this is what I want to do? Pilot oh, I'm a brilliant pilot. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can confirm you're a brilliant pilot. Uh, no, I, it's, you know, um, I, because <sighs> you said earlier you're just an, a normal guy, just a normal yeah. pilot doing it. I think because I, I learned so long ago, the wings I used to fly used to collapse like nothing else. And they were so unstable and it was so awful that I fly based safe now for fear they're going to actually you know, go again. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I'm confident in my capabilities. Um, I know my capabilities. Um, um, but at the same time, I'm quite um, prepared to give it a go. I think, yeah. I, and I'm, I, would, I would say is if I'm going to pick myself up, I'm quite good at taking off in tight spaces and landing in tight spaces. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's, uh, I, I think you were closer when you said earlier that you were a brilliant pilot. Cause I would say you're a brilliant pilot. Um, how many hours do you get in a year? Do you think, because people might not know that you run a festival business that mainly operates during the summer at festivals. Mm. So you lose a lot of the paragliding time that we, yeah. that we get. So how many hours would you say you're getting a year? Um, I think this year I'm just short of 80 um which is probably a shock to a lot of people <laughs> um but bearing in mind it's not this year so 2020 <laughs> yeah i've yeah. been flying all year so far <laughs> uh, but then i was in the pool um yeah. yeah so i normally average 60 to 100 i suppose okay but so I've, I've, modest really considering mm. what you've undertaken yeah um it is a modest amount yeah. considering that lots of uh you know normal everyday flyers are are well in excess of double yeah. that i would yeah. imagine now Okay, right. So back to questions then. Let's see what we've got. Oh, that was from Barna, actually, I think that says. Um, right. We've got from Nick Lloyd, which month did you do it? I think you covered that, right? It was early. Feb, Feb March, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, what would you do differently next time if you would do it again? What you have taken from your trip 
um, something you did not need and you would leave behind from Marcin. So you said there's, there's nothing you'd have left behind? Yeah, or? yeah I mean, uh, uh, so, yeah, the two I really picked out would be um, I didn't need a wind meter and I didn't need a dental floss to pull the rope up the, the tree when I stuck in the tree. I needed a, a, a rope climbing kit to get out of the tree. Yeah, okay. That's, that's the one thing. And I was very conscious of that when I was flying those values. Because <laughs> <laughs> what happens is, whereas um, the Paulies burn wood to, for the fires, yeah? Mm-hmm. But the only, so they, so they cut fresh wood so far up the tree. So all these trees, you think, oh, there's a tree, I'll land in that and climb down. They've got, as far as anyone can reach, no branches. <laughs> <laughs> so you might land in the tree, but then you'll kill your, break a leg, try and get out of the bottom bit, because there's no branches in the bottom bit. So you, you need safe, something yeah. to, to cover that gap, yeah? Yeah. Um, was that the whole question? Uh, that was the whole question yeah. of that one, yeah. Um, would it have been easier with a team <laughs> to fly with? I know the answer to that one, I reckon. I might, maybe not, actually. Uh, that's from, um, uh, I guess, Brian and Claire Greenwell. Okay. It was one of the biggest um, quandaries I had was to whether to turn around to you know, a good mate and say, you're going to come, you're interested. Mm-hmm. I wasn't short of people that would have said yes. Ollie. <laughs> um, but, um, so a number of, you know, this, this quandary went on for quite a while. Um, clearly safety um, would have been a massive one. You know, you were actually looking out for each other, but because I went by myself, I did it at my, spe- my pace. Um, there was no, I didn't compromise for anyone else. I didn't compromise anyone else. Yeah. Um, I didn't need anyone in the air because I had enough buzzards, not buzzards, um, vultures. vultures around to sort of mark thermals. So actually you didn't necessarily need another team pilot in the air. Um, being by myself, I felt I immersed greater into the, into the culture of the country because I was always welcome when I was talking to them and not to someone else. Um, and a lot of the takeoffs I was finding, you you would not have got two gladders on. So what you do, do you take off first, well, firm, or the other guy then is waiting for the cycle or trying to get his wing out? It's So inevitably, there was a lot of issues, I think, around t- take off together. Um, and I think a lot of pilots I've done before have found the same on that. Um, so it came down to, okay, I'm going to do it by myself. And to me, it um, presented sort of a, a, a personal challenge, which... Um, and I think the only disappointment with that, if I had a disappointment with being by myself, is um, the footage from another glider, of a glider, on the terrain that we're on. Because mm-hmm. you can't necessarily appreciate what you're flying from your harness. You could do with someone else filming the other person flying. Yeah, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so sense. on the other question, what would I take next time? If I went back, I'd take a small drone, or and I'm working on different camera locations for... Um, a third person perspective but that sort of um, drone footage of you know walking the ridge line with the perspective of the mountains behind and that sort of stuff more yeah. kit more time but, i mean go. you didn't go with the idea of making a film this time so next yeah. time you would go a lot more in the idea of wow this yeah. can be made yeah. into a great I, film. I came back and realized actually that was a footage that we're really missing for this reporter versus film yeah but you know yeah okay so we've got um when flying east, you had the Himalayas to your left and the lowlands to your right. How did you judge the ideal line to take left high versus right low from Nick Lloyd? Good question. I tried to go as deep as I could most of the time. 
Hoping um, that the mountains would work better. Yeah, no, yeah, it was the dream of getting onto high stuff and, and above in an inversion if it happened. Um, there were, there were a couple of times I got thrown off course. Um, I came from, this probably doesn't mean lots of people, but basically I came past, Champer sits right up in the Sapi Mountains, and I, I couldn't get out of that bowl because I had peaks of sort of 4,000 meters to climb over. So I had to come south and go down a, um, a valley, which I crossed beautifully, got to the other side, and then I had a, a Dora Mountain, which is like four 8,000 meters. Um, and when I got there, that kept over developing, so I couldn't, I was hoping to go straight over it, of course, and you look on the map, you're thinking, yeah, sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> and I couldn't get, it just developed, overdeveloped so quickly every day. So I, I, had to, I went north or south, and I decided to go south because it was sort of be a straighter line. Uh, I think, I wish at that point I'd gone north up to the Rara Lake, um, which I think would have then presented possibly better weather for the next four days afterwards, whereas actually I was then fighting um, closer to the lowlands and getting the sort of the, the brunt of the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I tried to go as deep as I could with the height that I could fly. So in uh, retrospect, you, you do that differently next time? You think you'd approach yeah, you, that differently? You, yeah, you fly, you fly the weather and you fly the day, really. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah for sure. You but would. you think you held yourself back through caution of not knowing not it too well? Not being able or? to fly. I mean, yeah. when, you, when you're actually walking over a 4,000 metre pass, you know, that's you're as in high cloud. As, yeah. That's as high as you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Um, Russ Lockyer said uh, what advice for helping the communities um, that were so hospitable well you said that those links yeah. are going to be on the there and on the uh, Nepal Traverse website and via Facebook yeah. so please do all look them up and I think um, on, the, on that note it'd be quite nice to sort of this is trying to keep the whole project live is to basically um, feedback what we're doing and actually sh- you know I'd like to sort of say that actually we, we support a school that sponsors a couple of children to basically come to school, which couldn't have gone to school. And we follow their story as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so the last one was again, was looking for flying partners or would you go along alone again? I guess you've pretty much answered that in that you're not saying you definitely do it alone, but you mm. see the benefits of doing yeah. it alone and you don't see that there'd be too much benefit of having somebody else with you. No, but I also, yeah, I, I sort of, you know, again, you sort of, in these dark nights of, of where are we, January, um, you do start thinking about, um, it'd be quite cool to go over a bunch of guys and go, right, yeah. guys, yeah, this is, you know, if, if I was to sort of say, okay, I know a great place to start, you know, I know some great places to get to, it'd be, it'd be a hoop, wouldn't it? And that, yeah. A different perspective, really. Would, how would the logistics of having a driver be? Someone in a van who just, okay, if they don't meet up with you in two days, it doesn't make a difference, no. but you know in three days' time we head here. No, I, I mean, there's plenty of different ways of getting around. Yeah. And I think it would just be not, yeah. A hindrance. Carry your own bag. <laughs> carry your own bag. You're in no position to say that. <laughs> Chucking seven pounds at some poor boy to carry your bag. No, no, no. You wasn't poor after that. So the question that didn't come up actually was when would you be thinking? I mean, obviously, we can't because of this. We don't, the virus, mm. we don't know. But when would you be thinking in your head? Would it, would it be a case of get the movie together, get that over and done with? And then think about the the next flight. Now the movie's the real big part. Yeah, you wouldn't th- consider doing another adventure and then collating it to two, to one movie. Um, no, I don't. We've got enough to make a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Nepal's shut to, to UK people at the moment. Um, I am half keeping an eye on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I suppose the beauty of it is, you know. 
we've got two win. There's two up flying opportunities. You, you either go February, March, or you go October, November. Um, and it'd be quite nice, perhaps, to go in the back end of the year. Um, but it depends on restrictions and work and that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. Gavin McClure said, don't forget the GoFundMe. I think that's... I'm Thank joking. you, Gavin. It says, Gavin McClure, don't forget the GoFundMe. So, so I guess it, yeah. it's nice to know that, yeah. you know, people are people out there and they know yeah. that, you know, there's a real and, 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 big yeah, thing here. Nepal Taverse, you know, where did I get the idea for that name from? The Alaska Taverse, you know, it's, <laughs> it's actually, yeah, it's kind of... Is yeah. that what Gavin gave you? Is it, and you asked Gavin for advice, he said, i got a cool name. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the inspiration, is it? And I think... Um, you know, fair play to, to Gavin. He didn't big that, you know, he's a, we know he's an amazing pilot, but he didn't big it up as being um, something about him. It was about the sort of the journey and about the sort of the adventure. And, you know, that was a lot of the driver for me. It wasn't, you know, I didn't have to necessarily put myself into a position where I was going to, you know, not come back. I mean, I had that thought when I left, I suppose, you know, it's, no, I'm leaving, I might not come back. But yeah, you know, I, I knew I didn't have to do that. And I think, you know, it's nice to sort of see other pilots out there who um, play um, the adventure of this sport in a way which actually gives them an adventure, but actually they know the limits. And I think that's the key of it, really. Yeah, I think uh, from flying with you, I think you, uh, you demonstrate that very well, especially in the UK. You and I have traveled to North Wales on a day in the hope oh, it doesn't work, well, let's just go and get an ice cream somewhere and then yeah. the day's over. And so I, I know that of you, but I think you're, for anyone who doesn't know you, the greatest thing for me would be they come up and say hello to you on a hill now. Yeah. If they see you on a hill. If, you, if you're not a paraglider pilot, if you see them in the mo- supermarket, say hello. But if anybody, you, <laughs> if anybody sees you, if anybody sees you on a hill, you are a, a very approachable pilot, but you're a very good pilot and you're very, you know, it, people should come and introduce themselves and yeah, flying and, and great fun. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm a coach in South East Wales now and my daughter's, you know, she's a, she's a club pilot and I'm trying to coach her. And for me, it's about, and I'm, you know, sites office of South East Wales, about actually, you know, maintaining the sport for as many people as possible because it's an amazing sport to be in, as we know. Um, yeah, it's like no other. And it's getting better as far as I'm concerned in terms of the way the kit's coming along, the whole Volbiv. Um, Boom is actually, yes, this is the new, the new thing for everyone. And I think a lot of people are interested in it. I think I'd be really happy to sort of try and support that whole Volbiv community. I'm not saying I am the, you know, the most experienced out there. I've got loads to learn, but I've got bits to share. Um, so what would be your advice? Last question. What would be your advice for um, lower, not level, that's the wrong word, lower hours or people who want to pursue Volbiv? What would be your advice? Where would you say, go and do, not go and do, what would you say to folks on for the guys who want to follow in your footsteps? Um, it's about breaking ice. Do it in your own, on your own flying site. Just go across country. Don't, you don't have to go across country. You can just basically hike up a mountain um, late one evening, camp out in the mountain and get your first top to bottom in the morning. It doesn't have to be anything epic, but what, what's the, the, the part of the whole starting to do Volbeer is to basically carry something you can cook and sleep in. Yeah, it's fun. It's camping. Yeah, you know, it's, it's camping with a wing. It's yeah, exactly what it is. And you know, do that. You know, camp with a wing and fly. Yeah, I think uh, from my point of view, the greatest bit about your journey has been this talk tonight. I've absolutely loved it. Well, I, yeah. I would have loved to have got more from you, but I know you've got a movie coming, and there's things we can't press on because the movie. You know, the movie's coming. So hopefully, once the movie's out, we can catch up again yeah. and we can talk about how the movie's been received and stuff. But uh. 
I love talking to her anyway. We talk a lot, so I knew that. But hopefully other people who don't know you have, have listened to this and thought, what a cool guy. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Um, thank you, like, unequivocally from everybody. Um, once again, thank you to Avon Hang Gliding and Paragliding Club. This will be, this has been recorded. It will be shared. It will be available on the 8 Through 1 podcast YouTube ch- uh, channel at some point. It'll maybe the links will go out, etc. I'll upload just the audio version to the eight through one podcast. Um, so that'll be available as well. Uh, other than that, Tosh is really approachable. Um, so f- get in contact with him. I want to see his it, the hits double on your website overnight, right? <laughs> That's how we need it to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, we have got others of these planned. There is, I think, the 28th. Sean will correct me, it might not be the 28th. I think it's the 28th for Jim Mallinson. Another talk similar to this. Um, so please do join us for that. But I think the best way to play this out rather than logging off is if we can see the movie trailer, please, Sean. Um, and again, thank you all very much, and we'll see you again. And Wes, thank you, mate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual hug. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Next time. Next time. I live for the adventure that I think.